Hello and welcome to episode 91 of the Big Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Bidemi Ologunde. In this episode, I'll be presenting a strategic overview of how tech companies are now looking toward Africa as they build out their internet infrastructure and take advantage of the higher energy efficiencies that data centers located in Africa provide. A key question will be how all of this affect the social, economic, and political landscape of the African continent. Thank you for your time. Let's get to it. So on Monday, August 16, 2021, Facebook announced the Two Africa Project, a partnership between Facebook, Google, and several international telecom operators. So the project aims to give the two Silicon Valley giants greater control of the global internet infrastructure that their businesses rely on. So during that announcement, Facebook said the partnership would add four new branches in the Seychelles, Comoro Islands, Angola, and Nigeria. So the Seychelles is an island country in the Indian Ocean at the eastern edge of the Somali Sea off the eastern coast of Africa. The Comoros is also an island country in the Indian Ocean at the northern edge of the Mozambique Channel off the eastern coast of Africa. And Angola is a country located on the west coast of southern Africa, while Nigeria is Africa's most populous country and it is located in West Africa. So the plan of the Two Africa Project calls for 35 landings in 26 countries to build an underwater ring of fiber optic cables to literally circle the African continent. So that project's start date is expected to be sometime in 2023. So Facebook began engaging in talks to build the underwater ring of fiber optic cables as far back as early 2019 to drive down its bandwidth costs and make it easier to sign up more users. So that three-stage project from back in 2019 named Simba after the lead character in The Lion King could link up with beachheads in several countries on the African continent's western, eastern, and Mediterranean coast. However, the exact route and number of landings are not yet certain. So back in 2019, it was also revealed that Google's parent company, Alphabet, was in talks to build a cable system called Equiano down Africa's western coast. China's Huawei was also rolling out subsea cable links to Africa through a subsidiary company that was building a cable through the Indian Ocean. So Facebook's Simba project was deemed uniquely ambitious because it would give Facebook's European and Asian data centers a dedicated and reliable link to growing African markets where its apps such as WhatsApp are already popular. In addition, Facebook has funded regional networks in developing countries like Uganda to help connect the roughly 3.8 billion people worldwide who still lack internet access. So separately from the two Africa project that Facebook announced back in August, the company said it would participate in a 7,500 mile long underwater cable system in Asia called Apricot that would connect Japan, Taiwan, Guam, the Philippines, Indonesia, and Singapore. Google also said it would join that initiative, which is scheduled to go live in 2024. So all these investments are being driven by cost and control. More than 400 commercially operated submarine cables 
carry almost all international voice and data traffic, which therefore makes them critical for most countries' economies and national security. Submarine cables are typically composed of bundles of fiber optic cables that travel along the ocean floor. Telecom companies own and operate many of these cables, and they charge fees to businesses that use them to transport data. About 10 years ago, Facebook and Google realized that they use so much data that it would make sense to cut out the middleman and own some infrastructure directly. In essence, if you, if you build your own cables and you own your capacity, you don't have to pay anybody. So a good analogy is the way Amazon leases cargo planes to reduce costs and not rely on FedEx, UPS, the US Postal Service, or other third parties to make deliveries to their customers. More recently, submarine cables, which often connect financial capitals or clusters of data centers, have become the center of geopolitical and national security tensions. For example, Hong Kong has served as a hub for previous submarine cables in East Asia, but US government opposition to that particular location has forced companies to find new stopovers that avoid Chinese territory. In a similar incident back in 2019, a US development bank agreed to loan up to $190 million for a long submarine cable in Asia as an alternative to others built by Huawei. U.S. officials said the Chinese government could order Huawei to tap its equipment to spy on or disable communications. Both Huawei and the Chinese government denounced those allegations as unfounded. So recently built submarine cables have improved the quality and lowered the cost of internet usage in Africa, where the number of web users tripled to about 300 million people between 2010 and 2019, according to data from the World Bank. With internet traffic expected to keep growing, global investments in submarine cables are forecast to exceed $2 billion per year for the next several years. So like I mentioned earlier, Facebook's efforts in Africa and Asia are part of a push to connect the approximately 3.8 billion people who are still without internet worldwide. The move comes as Facebook's user growth is slowing down in developed markets such as the US and Europe. Facebook executives have said that expanding the internet ecosystem helps the social media company's partners while supporting its own business model. In addition, we now know that Facebook's parent company, Meta, is making significant moves into the metaverse and therefore owning its own internet traffic infrastructure will go a long way in making sure that Facebook controls as much as it can control in that space. So all these analysis of tech companies building their own submarine cables to connect with the African continent brings us to the other issue of tech companies building data centers in Africa. Interestingly, data centers in Africa are more energy efficient, despite being located in hot climates and therefore needing more energy to cool them. So let's zoom out a bit. We know that reducing energy consumption is a priority for the tech sector worldwide given the massive amount of power needed to keep the world's computers running. In June, Amazon announced that it planned to buy 1.5 gigawatts of production capacity from 14 new solar and wind plants across the globe as part of its push to purchase enough renewable energy to cover all the company's activities 
by the year 2025. So overall, tech companies are deploying significant resources to finance solar, wind, and other renewable energy projects on an unprecedented scale. In some countries, developers say tech companies' willingness to spend upfront by signing commitments to buy energy at a specific price for long periods has helped make corporations more important than government subsidies as the main drivers of renewable investment. According to Bloomberg NEF, a research firm, Amazon, Alphabet, which is Google's parent company, Meta, which is Facebook's parent company, and Microsoft are four of the top six corporate buyers of publicly disclosed renewable energy purchase agreements. All four of them account for about 30% or 25.7 gigawatts of the cumulative total from corporations globally. The other two companies in the top six are French oil company Total Energies and AT&T, the American telecom company. So two main things drive these purchases of renewable energy. One is the skyrocketing data usage all over the world, and the second is the increases in technology devices processing power. In the past decade, growing efficiency has largely offset rising use, in part as companies shifted from on-premises computer servers to more efficient cloud providers, according to the International Energy Agency. Researchers say while there is more efficiency to tap, it is not clear for how much longer, particularly with the rise of 5G networks and as more of the world lives and works online. According to a 2020 paper in the journal Science, data centers were estimated to account for approximately 1% of global electricity use, and they are also responsible for about 2% of all global greenhouse gas emissions. Facebook said that it reached its goal of buying enough renewable energy to cover its global operations, including data centers, last year. However, it is continuing to strike new power deals simply because its energy use keeps growing. Facebook's electricity use rose 39% last year, according to its annual sustainability report. So coming back to the issue of tech companies building data centers in Africa. Energy efficiency is crucial in African countries such as Nigeria, where access to power systems has been limited historically. The average power usage efficiency, also known as PUE, of African data centers is 1.5. So PUE describes how efficiently a computer data center uses energy, specifically the ratio of the total amount of energy used by a data center facility to the total energy delivered to the computing equipment located in the facility. So basically the ratio of energy used by data center to the energy delivered to the computing equipment in the data center. So an ideal PUE is 1.0. So data centers want a PUE rating as close as possible to 1.0. Like I mentioned, the average power usage efficiency of African data centers is 1.5, while the average global PUE in 2020 was 1.59. And that number is based on a survey in which 445 respondents worldwide shared the average PUE of their largest data centers. So basically, that means African data centers are 6% more efficient than the global average, despite the increased energy needed to cool servers 
located in hot climates. Another reason for the increased efficiency is that African data centers tend to be newer than data centers elsewhere. So Lagos, Nigeria has emerged as a metropolitan focal point for Africa's flourishing tech scene, and this has been boosted by the rapidly growing startup activities and recent investments in internet infrastructure by American and Chinese tech giants, which I started the episode with. According to a report published by Xalam Analytics, the African continent is predicted to see the construction of about 700 new data centers by the year 2030. So Xalam Analytics researches the digital economy market and the focus on Africa and the Middle East in partnership with the African Data Centers Association. So nevertheless, Nigerian data center operators still face challenges. For example, frequent power outages require data centers to have high levels of redundancy and high temperature climates need more energy to keep servers cool. In addition, in some parts of Nigeria, terrorism, political corruption, and piracy create problems. Although Lagos is a large and relatively stable city and security is not typically an issue. So as Africa experiences a surge in the construction of data centers, Operators say they can take advantage of technological advances over the past decade that have increased the energy efficiency of data center infrastructure, including more efficient cooling systems, more efficient power distribution systems, and uninterruptible power supply systems. New data centers are better at separating hot and cold air, which is crucial for more efficient energy use. For example, data centers built before 2010 would have large open rooms where servers' fans would suck in air to keep them cool. Then hot air would come out the other side, resulting in significant mixing between the hot and cold air and therefore reducing the efficiency of the cooling process. Nowadays, however, the rooms in data centers are designed so that cold air is blown into one aisle and hot air is blown out at another aisle and each aisle can be enclosed to keep the hot and cold air separate. Another advancement involves the data center's uninterruptible power supply, which keeps operations running when there is a problem with the main power source. In older data centers, the use of the backup was an all-or-nothing proposition, which tended to waste power. Now, backup power can be drawn in smaller increments, which waste less energy. Furthermore, Nigerian data center operators are working to address other sustainability challenges such as reducing their reliance on diesel fuel. So to wrap up, I presented a strategic overview of how tech companies are now looking toward Africa as they build out their internet infrastructure and take advantage of the higher energy efficiencies that data centers located in Africa provide. To what extent these developments will affect the social, economic, and political landscape of the African continent remains to be seen. But this is something to definitely keep an eye on. So that's all I have for this strategic intelligence episode. Thanks for listening. The Big Picture Podcast is produced by Sunshine Media in association with Alowinly Productions. Fact-checking by Zara Kuznetsova. Audio engineer, Sergey Gorsky. Graphic design, Stacey Graham. Senior producer, Abide Ologunde. Executive producers, Olufolani Ologunde and Toby Loba Ologunde.
Please join me again on the next episode as I continue with a deep dive on cybersecurity's news, events, and incidents, and the lessons we can learn from them for robust cyber threat intelligence and awareness in our daily lives. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the Big Picture Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, please share the show with anyone that you think might benefit from it. For questions, comments, or any suggestions, please send an email to bdme at thebeatpicture.com. You can also get in touch on Twitter at BeatPicture, on the Clubhouse app at Beat, as well as on the Wisdom app at BDME. Please remember to leave a review for the podcast if your platform allows you to do so. Thank you for your time. See you on the next episode. Bye for now.